Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everyone, Rev Radio. We are here to talk about Liverpool. Sort of. No, yeah, definitely Liverpool. It's an international break. It's been tough. Have you have you coped, Chris? Really well. Really well. Really well. Good. It's been nice to switch off to the footy. Have you been able to switch off to it fully? Yeah. Good. Since Friday. Since Friday. Good. Very good idea. So we've got some interesting things to discuss this week. So we we went on a a bit of a road trip at the back end of the uh, of last week, which was very very interesting to see uh, the one the man. The always in our hearts, Lucas Leiva, um, in Rome. We'll talk about that in a bit. It was really, really good. And we're going to be discussing as the main topic this week. There was some talk about, uh, some takeover talk reared its head over the weekend. Um, how true that is, we don't know. It doesn't look particularly true, but I think it's worth a discussion and what type of owners would be the right owners for Liverpool because there's a lot of debate going around about this at the moment, so we thought we'd delve into a bit of that. But first, Corey2613 on Twitter, Chris. He says, and I think you'll like this one, if you could take any tradition, rule, or competition format from American sports to the Premier League, what would it be? Oh, um, oh. Format, I'd probably not take any formats. Not the pl- like a, the playoffs kind of thing? Nah, it doesn't work in the MLS. World Series? Mm, I like nah, the fi- the final game that. of the World Series of just the pure endurance of, oh my God, we're playing you again. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, that isn't it? Like, no, I don't like the formats. don't like the formats. I do like the salary cap, but whether I take it to the Premier League or mm-hmm. not, I'm not 100% sure. I think long term... If you could get used to it, then it would be better for the youngsters coming through and like the draft elements of it and yeah. stuff like that. I think that's wicked, uh, and it, it gives about a little bit of a level playing field, and you know it makes it more difficult for sustained success. And I think one of the things that the Premier League will find over the next few years, and has already found, is that um, it's very very difficult to win the Premier League. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, now there's there's a team, the New England Patriots, who've won loads of Super Bowls over the last fifteen years, but that is because of good planning and how they deal with free agency and the draft and all that type of stuff. So I'd kind of like to see that because it means you'd get more players coming out of colleges and you get better, probably more well-rounded individuals for the most part, although they have the drug problems and stuff anyway in America, so maybe that doesn't that doesn't work completely. But yeah, I do like that style of it. Like Okay, the shot clock from basketball. Okay, that is a fucking belter answer. Yep, let's get things moving along. None of this. Brendan Rodgers would be... 
fucked. Like it is it is brand of football and Bobby Martinez would never be able to get a job ever again, which would be good for the game. Less of a Brendan. I like Brendan. Um but yeah, just keep things moving along. Just keep it moving along. You've got you reach a point, you've had possession for a bit, you've got to get a shot away and yeah, think about I like that. Think about, this is what are you re- thinking? Five seconds? No, no, no. I think you with know, our pace that might suit us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think there's definitely something. I think you know, definitely the yeah. I think uh, you've got to break into the final third clock, something like that. But you know, there's. Uh, Are you allowed to go back out of the final third? Is it basketball? You can't come back you know, over the halfway line. Allardyce would fucking ruin it, or Pulis would ruin it because they just have a guy just camped two inches inside the final third. They lump it long to him, and he just nod it back, nod it back out again. You know, they have a target man on the right wing or something to do that. But what you might get back to is the world of what Brazil were like in the 70s when Brazil were Brazil. Not this poor this poor production line, copy bullshit that we've seen in the last 20, 30 years of Brazil that everyone thinks is real Brazil. It's not. It's literally guys trying to score from every single angle of the pitch. I just don't see how that's a bad thing. We'd have a few fallow years yeah. where we're just adjusting to it. But I think that would be. I think that. Would, I like the would, shot clock idea, Paul. I think yeah, that's a good shout. Absolutely. Um, I remember at the time. I don't know if you remember this. It was probably after USA '94. It was round. There was talk about them starting up a league, and I, I can remember remember the timeline of MLS. But there was talk about what Americans were going to change to soccer to make it more fit in with what they what they wanted to see and it was good they were going to bring obviously cut it into quarters they were going to divvy the pitch up kind of like is it is it NFL or is it, is it hockey where you can only certain number of players can enter certain zones of the certain zones of the field and they were going to bring in like the body stocking a la, a la NFL as 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 a as a uniform thing which is all delightfully American. Why would they do they that? that? I mean, you've got a good sport, you've got the best sport, and they want to do that to it. It yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Did you see? I watched a little bit of MLS actually. I think it was the. Funny you mentioned the Patriots. It was um, the Revolution playing, and they obviously share the ground with the Patriots, and that pitch is a fucking joke. It's like if you ever played uh, Five Sider at your local sports hall or mm. gym, where the tape marks out for every different sport that's played there. So you've got to work out which is the football area within that. And the, the, so the football pitch lines are in yellow on the pitch, and they've still got the, the, the end zone and all that kind of stuff in there. It was mind-boggling. Just mind-boggling. I, I, forget, I forget who it is in MLS, but they play on... Is it the? Is it one of the New York teams? They play in Yankee Stadium or something like that. They play in a baseball pitch, and that's really bad. Like, I feel like I feel like um, New York City. Yeah, I think do they, or did or whether they no, still that's, do. No, like. that's that's bizarre. Mm-hmm. That's bizarre because the pitch is tiny. Yeah, well, we saw that. At the, uh, oh, no, sorry, I thought I saw that at Fenway. It's just mad. It's just got a very. It's all of it. It's all wrongly shaped for it, isn't it? Um, we're gonna talk about Liverpool in a moment, but there's one. <laughs> One more question I want to get to. I apologise. You can skip forward like a minute if you want to get onto the footy chat. It, it, it was a question Tom posed in the office. Steve has asked it to us um, via Twitter. And it's, would you rather eat a whole onion or a whole lemon? I don't think it's a difficult question. I don't feel it's The difficult. amount of debate that was going on upstairs. We were talking about this for 15 this, minutes. This resulted in 10 to 15 minutes of debate and three of us Googling answers to other people's answers and to see if people had tried eating whole onions and whole lemons online. Your answer, onion, onion, onion all day. But just for the, just for the record, that's not a whole onion or lemon. The debate that we had was around the innards of a lemon, 
and the innards of an onion, i.e. not the skin and not the yeah, peel. Yeah, yeah. Now, if it was the skin, I would probably change my mind Even because I can't I can't be bothered with the with the, the paper cuts on your ass of shitting out onion skin if you eventually get it down and through because, you know, roughage and that. Mm. But, I think your stomach has to box it off there largely, but the hardest part of that is that rind is horrible enough as it is. You know, the, the, the white stuff that surrounds citrus fruits is unedible, is bitter and disgusting anyway. So you're making the lemon even even less enticing as far as I can It's just a bit of onion, vaguely onion taste. And I, I eat raw onion. It's not a big thing to me. I mm. don't eat raw lemon. I don't put it in my drinks. I don't like it when people put it in water. It's bitter. It's not very nice. Mm. I, don't mind it. I don't mind it in a nice, ref- tall, refreshing glass of cola. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you called off Maldi as well. Um, but no, let us know. Tweet us at the Redmen TV where you stand. Use hashtag lemon onion. It was 3-2 in the office. It was 3-2 in the office, but as pointed out, there's two 22-year-old lads in the office who are just basically, it's basically like saying they're idiots. Yeah. Um, and Steve, who's not yet 30. And I'm not saying, you know, you become sensible after 30 because we're living examples of that not being the case. Um, but Speak in this yourself. instance... All right, I'm not sensible, but that's not that's not you speaking for me. Now I'm saying it. <laughs> so let's get into the let's get into Liverpool. Chat. We'll talk about the 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 ownership stuff in a moment, but just wanted to highlight. So um, Lucas Leiva was good enough to invite us to his house, Chris. It led to a manic forty-eight hours of planes, planes and automobiles. Um, I I don't think I, f- I think physically today from Friday's the first day I, I'm coming close to feeling recovered from it. Um, yeah, it was surprisingly difficult. Uh, you know, you, flying out to Italy one day and flying out the next, flying back the next is difficult. I didn't think it would be. Mm. It fucked me up. I think we we contracted like plane aids or something because all three of us were a little bit down and thumbs off the back of it. Yeah, and listen, when you go into a bar and you ask for duo beer, per favore, and they give you two shots of mango juice and two whiskeys. Or, Half one in the morning. That's not going to help you mood on the Friday. No, you uh, you lads made an interesting decision there. I don't understand how he gave us two shots of mango and two. If there's anyone who speaks Italian, can they tell us what what how what Chris technically said to to get a shot of mango juice and a, and a shot of whiskey twice in a bar? That'd be wonderful. Um, it was no, literally duo beer a per favore, I'm sure. and I'm sure the Italian's not great. No, no, but what but I'm saying it's is, definitely what not, is the Italian yeah, for that? Let the, me know. Use hashtag. This is the Italian, Chris. You knobhead. At Mr. Bloodred. At the Paul Machen, let me know. Um, yeah, he was great. He invited into his house. And we did a we did a great like sit down chat with him. Uh, you know, it's been a few years since I last did something uh, with, with Lucas Lever. We interviewed him as a group at Melwood a few years ago, and he was dead sound then, and he was even more sound now. And there's, uh, some great insights into his career, um, and obviously just some of the the behind the scenes stuff on Liverpool. I thought was I thought was really interesting. Yeah, um, the guy first and foremost is he's a gentleman. Mm. You know, um, he, the fact that he was there, he invited us into his home. Mm. Um, we got to walk around his gardens and and all that, and just spend some time with him. And then the reason that he had to leave, he had to leave at three o'clock after it, like just over an hour with us. He's going to pick his kids up from school. Yeah, I mean, what what bet like. If that tells you about the man, doesn't yeah. it? Like, and yeah, again, just to echo what you said there, Paul, 
listening to him talk about the different managers that he played under the dis- different systems, how he changed his position as a footballer, yeah. going through each management style, listening to him talk about the defence now and about how often we train for different things, so insightful and, and really just nice to hear because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we obviously put our opinions across a lot. Sometimes it's nice to go, oh, you know what? I thought that and I'm glad that somebody can corroborate it or just yeah. tell me the truth on the matter. Yeah. Really interesting. So we, we picked his brain and everything from, as I say, his early days coming through and what it was like as a as a you know, as a wonder kid where he was at the time to and you know how you hand, how he handled moving over to not just a different city but a different, you know, a different continent, a different part of the world. Um talked to him some of the biggest moments of of his career, his first goal. Um the 2008-2009 game against Manchester United. Chris actually picked his brain on the infamous Chelsea Gerrard slip game as well, which is really matter his, his take on that as well which is really really good stuff and then moving forward about Jürgen Klopp and a little bit about you know again about the ownership situation and whether he thinks that the guys running it and the way Liverpool are set up right now is the is, is the correct way for Liverpool to be set up for success Um that's going to be coming out. It's going to be three videos. There'll be more to follow on the on, on the latter two, but the first one should be going up this week on the RedmenTV.com. So if you want to get involved in that as a long-form, in-depth interview with Lucas Laver, then yeah, go to the RedmenTV.com, start your three-month trial, uh, try it out. The audio version will be there if you want to listen to it as a podcast. If you want to watch the video as well, you can do just that. Great stuff. And, uh, and more info to follow on the rest of the things. But it leads us on, Chris. The ownership thing, I think, quite nicely. We saw an article in the Mirror at the weekend. Amanda Stavely, who is a investment guru, who was mm. apparently uh, pivotal in, in Sheikh Mansour's takeover of Man City. She was behind the Dubai bid for Liverpool in the past and apparently had connection with this China uh, Everbright thing that, that cropped up a, a year or so ago for Liverpool as well. There's talk that she's been on a fact-finding mission over to Liverpool and that Liverpool have slapped a whopping... To, I'm paraphrasing off of a, of a news outlet, one billion pound price tag on Liverpool Football Club. Let, yeah, let's start there. It's mad. First of all, you know how much FSG bought Liverpool Football Club for, and you know what they're valuing it now. Now, you know, going back a few years to to stuff that people were saying to me in pubs and all that was, you know, they wouldn't sell until it was valued at a billion pounds, and you know, you, you, it does make you wonder whether it was always just an investment opportunity, such that they'd sell when the when the time was right for them, or whether they were truly um they truly wanted Liverpool to be a success on the pitch for their um what, what, what group of portfolio. Yeah, for their portfolio, sorry, yeah. Um so yes, it doesn't surprise me that they've slapped the one billion pound if price. If if it wouldn't surprise me because that's what I've been hearing for a few years now. Um it's mad to think that we've got that far and, and in fairness to them that they've got the club that far almost. Mm, I don't yeah. know whether that's a good or a bad thing, yeah. but you know, I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility now that you would have to pay a billion pounds for Liverpool. I think we, we, there's been a lot said, isn't there, that a billion quid is like what it's worth, what, what a Champions League club's worth these mm. days and what have you. Now, I've not done a, a research, this is something I'm going to look into. Um, but uh, the thing for me, what, what it sparks the question of, and I think the problem with this article was it's the mention of Sheikh Mansur. Now, now that we've seen how he's him and his group have, have handled Man City, if there's one that I one model I look around, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't want an Abramovich. And as much as I would like, the, I would like the success that Abramovich has delivered at Chelsea, but I don't like the culture that's been created at that football club. But I look at Man City, and it's not perfect. But for me, it leads into this question: like what? If FSG aren't right for Liverpool, and I think there's plenty of case to be suggested that they're not, yeah. they're not perfect owners for Liverpool in any way, shape, or form. Um, 
what would a what would a new Liverpool owner or ownership situation look like? And for me, you know, I, I think uh, Man City have set the bar. I think they've set the template for what you should what uh, what a takeover of a football club and what a building of a football club with mega money should look like. Yeah, I think so. I think you know they had they had some good building blocks to start on as well. Um, you know they had money before Sheikh Mansour, didn't they, for a few years? Yeah, when they got the, getting the city of Manchester Stadium was a big was a big boost to them, and I think Shinawatra put a money in the playing squad, but I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure on the time scale of it of how much. The thing, um, the thing that look, groundwork he any, put in on the any on the potential new owners of Liverpool Football Club need the ambition to achieve Premier League titles and European glory and and you know the cups and all that type of stuff. Absolutely no problem with that. But they also need to continue with the good foundations that I think FSG have put in place, and that kind of brings me back around to your Manchester City point and why I I feel the same as they. You know, you look at their training facilities; they're the best in football, pretty yeah. much. Um, you know, the development in the youth side of it, the development of the commercial assets of the business as well, which is it pains me to say, but it's an important thing now as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the the, the Deals that they've struck up with, whether they're the same company as Sheikh Mansour, I'm not 100 percent sure. But like all the Emirates, uh, not Emirates, oh, forget them, Etihad and all that type of stuff. Um, but you know, for me, good owners and potential new owners of Liverpool need to continue to the Kirby redevelopment and they need to make sure that that is still paramount to everything that they do you know we obviously need investment on the football field but you need long term investments as well and, and that's that's the way that we're going to do this the thing that gets me on it is that I don't think we're a million miles away because it was interesting so um, there's a the, the, the firm where we come not to pay podcast I was listening to this the other week I, I don't listen to many other Liverpool things if I'm honest because I spend that much time talking about it but Jamie Kenner was on there and it was very it was very very good and, but Jamie made a very good point about how I think there's becoming a, there's a demonisation of Liverpool at the moment and I think what's happening is people are starting to forget how bad it was under Hicks and Gillette and this is there's always a note of caution of this with me and which is where my general my general stance on a lot of this lies is that the we very much it's a it's a we're looking for the total package really aren't we you know we we need to have people who've got patience for a long term plan they've got big money to spend on on big name players but you know it, it's very difficult to have both I think because you a lot of times if you're spending big money on something you demand instant returns there's not necessarily a, a patience to sit two or three years waiting for things. But you know, we go back to the the Hicks and Gillette stuff, and I've seen a few, and I've seen a few people going like this, being a bit dismissive of the Hicks and Gillette thing. Like, oh, we know Hicks and Gillette was bad. It, it gets forgotten just how yeah. genuinely horrendous it was. Um, and I think that because, and this is what I mean by comparison. I think we've got to compare. I think FSG look at the minute they look like a, they're very much a step up from that because you can't. I don't. I find it hard to argue against the. The development of Anfield, make, making that a reality. What they've done, not what's not been done, what has been done, was a very big step in the right direction. So that's that's a thing. And you're right, the the training redevelopment was a necessary thing that's that's, that's going in the right direction. The commercial side of things all seem to be in hand. You know that seems to be ticking along relatively nicely. But where it falls down for me, and it's something you and John did on a show last week uh, about the investment in players, and it's that thing we should. I would like us to be to have owners who don't bat an eyelid when it comes to getting the top talent in world football at Liverpool Football Club. And maybe the current owners are that, but there's definitely that that's 
It's more evidence that's fanciful to suggest thinking, that they, yeah. they're not. Exactly. It's <clears> fanciful <throat> thinking on my point. I think this summer could have been, but because this summer wasn't, then it's irrelevant to think like that. You know, it, it might well prove in the long term, but who knows? But it's that thing of, and we've said it in the past, if Alexis Sanchez is moving from Arsenal, I want owners who look at that and go, is he the missing piece? Is he, is he, is he of the quality that would improve this side? Well, it should be a no-brainer. We should absolutely be in, in for guys like that. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, you know, I talked, I talked about it on that show. I also think, you know, and I've said this maybe a couple of months ago now, so I don't think I've said it on the podcast. But you know, the development of players. Yeah. You know, I've spoken about that during the summer as well. Is that you know after what seven years of FSG and and this policy of developing young players, we should have young players into this side who yeah. we've already brought in, and I think that's a misstep as well. So it's twofold, isn't it? You know, it's great growing the other side of the football club that we don't support almost but we support the lads on the pitch ultimately and that's really what everybody's passion is and that's the thing that FSG have misstepped on the most it's the signings it's the it's the money that's going into the first team it's you know the bringing the youth from Kirby into the first team and, and yeah. actually having having assets there and that's that, what we've struggled with yeah and I think so much of this got all falls down on it's mm. making sure that there's a vision for the football club and as you say because the youth de- where youth development goes tits up is that if Brendan Rodgers was allowed to continue in the Liverpool job we might have seen more players get a crack under Brendan Rodgers because inevitably he goes he sets the tone for a couple of years of youth development and what he's looking for he's looking for Five foot, five foot, technically gifted midfielders. Yeah, yeah and Cock comes in and goes. We need physicality, and yeah. then all the youths fucked. Exactly, we need we need units who are pacey and powerful and direct, and have got massive engines, and then we'll work on the rest on top of that. And that's the problem with it. And whether that's that still for me is something that's an oversight that maybe something that needs to be sorted uh, at some point. I, I think Michael Edwards gets a lot of stick. I think I, I, he's the director of football. I'm not sure he should be the director of football. He he should be. You know, whether head go back head of analysis or whatever, he should be. He's got a role to play, I think, within the club. But for me, I think having a having a director, that's where the where Liverpool falls down. I think in that because I think we should be giving Klopp five six years, no matter what. And you want owners who are prepared to give managers a length of time to do it. They're prepared to like shut out the thoughts and feelings of the fans to totally buy into it uh, where things are going. But still, for whatever reason, humans fail. People lose the plot. People lose their heads, and great managers can be can co- totally de- derail and what they want. The only way to have a success in that in the youth development thing is to get is to have someone get people in who understand football and you understand what people they need within football, and that way they can set an ethos and say, doesn't matter if the manager goes because these youth players are going to continue to filter through because we're not radically changing the way yeah. that the club that, plays football. Listen, I'd, I'm not I'm not 100% sold on the director of football. You know, I've seen it work, I've seen it fail. Uh, I think people have struggled, generally speaking, with bringing it into England and, the, and maybe that's because of the managers more than anything it else. It gets done the wrong way round in England. They hire the manager, then hire the fucking and director that, of and football. And that's a part, part of the problem. But what you can do is you can search out managers who have a similar style. For example, you... And, and again, it's just... It's high in the sky, but Brendan Rodgers has a similar style to Pep Guardiola. One of them's a really great, amazing manager, and one's a good manager. Yeah. But, you know, similar style. Um, whereas you go from, let's say, 
Sir Alex Ferguson to David Moyes, completely different styles yeah. of management. It's never going to work that yeah. way. So it's about making sure that the manager who takes over, whether you've got a dire- if you haven't got a director of football, believes in the same policies almost as the guy before. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing. And you know, director of football, I think, makes that a little bit easier because you've got that one vision. But getting them certainly in one place, Kirby and Melwood merge together so that the manager can see the youth if he decides to yeah. just step outside and have a look at the yeah. trainer and go... What are they doing that for? Yeah. The first team don't do that. Why Why are they doing that? It just makes everything just a little bit easier, doesn't it? Um, certainly it's something that Man City did really well because they got essentially all the Pep's guys in two years before Pep, yeah. which is really, really clever, isn't it? Yeah. When you when you think about it, like yeah. having all of those guys working there, such that when Pep comes in, he's not starting again. Yeah. He's got two years of youth development yeah, there that, that he can work with. For him, but, um, yeah. And a manager like him now, absolutely. And that's the thing, I think there's... A, that, but when it comes down to it, I think the the ownership thing, I want. I'm just so sick of the false dawns of it. You know, I, I, again, we go back to go back to Hicks and Gillette, and they had that summer 2007 where Rafa went right. This is what I need, and they were yeah, great, no problem. And then after that, it was like, well, I've give, we've give you that money. Why isn't that Why isn't that enough? We saw it happen in Aston Villa as well. I remember them going out and buying um, Darren Bent for like 24 million quid and then the next summer it'll come around I think it was Martin O'Neill going right same again and they're like no no you've had your, you've had your big injection of money and Liverpool kind of not, not kind of did that but basically FSG did a similar thing I think they got burned very early on under the under, under Camoli and what have you and I'm not sure the trust it, it's only taken I think until this summer for the trust to be regained and again because they didn't complete deals there's still there's still plenty of evidence to suggest that's not the case but it would just be lovely to just I think there's, I, I think we're putting the fa- I said I said before I think we're putting the foundations in place to be a great club. I think the way we handled the Phil Coutinho thing is a good step in the right direction. Being able to tell so-called bigger clubs that they can fuck off. We think of ourselves as big as that, but there does come a point where you have to put a marker down as well. And when, and I think Van Dijk might have done that. But it's not the same as winning a battle with Chelsea and Man City for a centre half. It's not the same as winning a battle with Chelsea and Man City for a forward. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, look, a marker would have been Kylian Mbappe or someone like that. Yeah. Someone in world football that everybody wants. Yeah. Going out and securing the services of a player like that is a marker. You're right, a centre back's not that. But he might just be the best fit for our team and it might be bigger than that. Yeah. It might end up being a better move if we ever fucking get him. Yeah. Um, look, the foundations are there, certainly. Um, we needed to kick on, I believe, in the summer, and I don't think we've done that. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a difficulty now, isn't it? Because there is so much negativity on my social media around FSG yeah. that I, I I just look at it and I think to myself, why? Why are we doing this now? Yeah. Because unless you do something properly about it and organise something properly, you're just pissing in the wind on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we just cut. It's just it's there's a bit of division. Look, I'm not saying I've not I've not been a part of that. Like you mean because when people act like knobheads, I act like a knobhead back. But I think there's a I think the I think what we're looking for now is perfection, and I think I think it's right to get it's right to get that right because here's the thing about Liverpool right now, and it might mean a couple more years. Of how of how it is now. The thing is, um, and that's that's very hard to tell people that it's going to be two years of your life or three years of your life when it's not what everything you want it to be. But I think that Liverpool are in a reasonable position now that 
we're not we're not about to go to the wall. You know, Hicks and Gillette was a pressing was a pressing situation. You know, the 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 death had sat of the club on the fact that it was it was damaging the manager's ability to 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 impact it. You had all the infighting and stuff going on with it. It was a great line. It, pardon me. It was a Jamie Kennel line. He was like, there was a point with that where it was any other owners were going to be better owners than them. Whereas I think we we are because and again I because I, I genuinely believe there are so many areas that are getting right. It's it is I think it is worth twisting, as it were. We, I think we're on like a seventeen at the minute, or a sixteen, or a seventeen. I think there's a good chance we could get someone who's like twenty twenty one on this. You know what I mean? And we we could we could absolutely achieve everything we want to achieve with the right the right finances. But I think we've got I think we've got a little bit of time on our side to get that right. If that makes sense, I don't think it's because again. It will be disappointing if we don't capitalise on Klopp and if we don't capitalise on what we've built on the Klopp so far. I'm not saying we can't as well, by the way, with, with what we are. But um, if we get the next owner, the next owners of Liverpool Football Club have to be perfect because we can't have this again in five or six years' time. We can't get the wrong people in charge of the football club. Of again. course, of course, of course. I mean, I, the one thing I, I would say is I don't, I don't know how many years we've got to get it right and and. and I'll back that up with, you know, if there's a gap to Manchester City, it looks like the gap's going to be bigger this season than last season. And how many years can you continue to have that? You know, Manchester City, let's say you pull 15 points out on us from last season, extra, and then they throw another five or five on top of it the season after. How difficult yeah. is it I mean, then? Because, you know, you know they're, they're in, they could be in three years' time. And it's all pie in the sky, don't get me wrong. They could be in a position where they've won the league three years on the bounce yeah. and we're nowhere near them. And it's too late because their name is such a massive pull to the big players that yeah. we want that it, we're still fighting for those second pool of players. Yeah. And that's the difficulty. And that's why a lot of people want that success now, I think, yeah. is because you can't just continue to keep falling. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Behind these clubs. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that. I think... 
Yeah, I know. I think it's a reasonable point. I think it doesn't. The, the logic of football doesn't doesn't <clears throat> follow that way, though, does it? You know, because inevitably, Chelsea should have won the league every single season. Doesn't the Premier League? Doesn't? No. Yeah, but we've seen we've seen what happened between us and Manchester United through the nineties and the noughties. You can't continue to fall behind. No, no, and no. we did. Yeah. No, no, that, yeah, you're right. But what I mean is, I think the 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 makeup of the league's different to what it was like 20 years ago. I'm not sure we'll see our, our side dominate. And all it effectively, look, you know how football works. All it takes is Pep to do his three, four year stint like he always does. You get another guy in, and he, he doesn't he doesn't fit with what they're doing. And that team takes another couple of years. You know, Brendan Rodgers came so close to the league title. It was a perfect storm that season of. Other teams in transition, that kind of thing. So I, I, I agree that you've it's got a, it's to be a, there to capitalize. No, no, on it's a, exactly. It's a, it's, it, what I'm saying is that's a, a fear, but I'm not sure it's a, it's a, re, it's as realistic as. I, I get what you're saying. I think they could, ha, they could be in a seventy, eighty thousand capacity stadium in five years' time. They could, and they could have won. A and they could have had a fan base. Could have found a fan base. Could have found a fan base. Um, you know, you're right, but again. It's about getting it right. All of that stuff is completely irrelevant to Liverpool. It's more relevant that Liverpool get it right because yeah. well, what's well, the point? Well, because the, the point is, what's the point? What's the point in, in getting new owners this season if they're not the right owners? Oh, there's no point. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that. I never have done. What I'm saying is, I'm talking on the stuff that's happened, yeah. and the stuff that's happened is we're falling behind these clubs. No, but that's you're saying you're saying it needs to it needs to happen now because no, no, I never, I never said because I said you don't I don't, want to lose three I know, years. I, I said I don't know how long you can give it. Yeah, three years might be too late. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's the that's the point. Yeah, and it might be. Yeah, I don't understand what the difficulty is. No, no, that's the that, that's the point. Is what I'm saying. You're saying that you yeah exactly. But you're but what like, we've seen is we've seen this summer where Liverpool haven't kicked on and improved yet, and it could and we still could of course. But it's likely that we're going to fall further behind our rivals, and they can't do that again. Yeah, because they've done it once. Yeah, we've had no, we've had no kick on and buy world class stars, Paul. Yeah, what we have had is them make mistakes in the transfer market. Yeah, so you're hoping for something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and I'm hoping that the same thing doesn't happen again. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. And that's the that's the thing. I'm looking at the past, going, well, we have misstepped. Yeah, and you're thinking, well, hang on, we might get this right. Well. No, no, Love no, the past. no, no, no. That's not. No, sorry, that's not what I'm saying. Is it, again, just what it boils down to is that it's ye, Liverpool will likely Liverpool as they are are at the bare minimum more than likely to stay as a top seven team in the Premier League because even even in the even in the worst seasons we've never been too we've never been too far away from that. The point is again is that. If what we want, what Liverpool need is an ownership in place for the next twenty years, yeah, and Indeed. and that's where it's annoying, and maybe that has to happen. But I would contend that it's you're right. Maybe maybe the top two becomes so elite that it becomes its own. Yeah, you know, it I think becomes an insurmountable my, my battle. My fear is that we're battling for fourth every year. Yeah, but the point, but. I, yeah, because uh, I can't see Man United taking a step back. If I'm honest, Chelsea will always—they might have a bad season, but they'll always bounce back under Abramovich because they seem to. But Man United, have, to, but Man United have taken a step back, not from last season. I think so far this season they've taken definitely taken a step forwards. But yeah, okay, again, we're early days in the yeah, season, exactly. of, of course. Like, yeah. but judging by the business that they did in the summer, the the gaps in the squad that they've managed to fill, and the way that they're playing. It looks like they've taken a step forward to me, um, and let's be honest, Man United stepped back last season. They won the fucking Europa League. Yeah, 
Chelsea that probably aren't going to be dropping out of there anytime soon. Manchester City look like on a, they're on an upward trajectory. We're struggling to close the gap to Tottenham. Arsenal, anything could fucking happen. The likelihood is they're actually going to fucking bomb out of it yeah. and, and leave that a bit easier. It's probably going to be a straight fight between us and Tottenham. But right now, we do need, if we're going to get new owners, we need them to continue with the plan that's already in place off the field and we need the investment on the field. It's pretty obvious, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's it. I think we all know what what, what we want from it. It's just... What this boils down to for me is how pr- how pressing this is, and what and what the point I'm driving at is that we can all get our pitchforks out now and start chasing something. For me, for me, the crux of this will fall down on who presents themselves as the options for this, because yeah. at the minute there's no options. All this is is a little bit of speculation. Now this Amanda Stavely stuff. She was during the commentary of the Newcastle game. She was there for Newcastle. She was there for Newcastle, so she wasn't there for Liverpool. Now that could have been a bit of cover. There's no reason why she couldn't have been having conversations with Liverpool, which is what the mirror kind of uh, intimates. A lot of this depends on who who's waiting in the wings. If anyone, we get get to find out a little bit about these guys as well. Because again, Hicks and Gillette said all the right words. They seemed like they had all the right all the right things. Um, but as we saw, it's very easy for you know for investment type people not spending their own money to chat a fair a fair bit of wham and you know get themselves in the door. It's happened time and time again up and down the country in football. Um, it will be interesting to see if if a proper strong suitor presents themselves, how Fenway handle themselves in that situation, and we'll find out. I guess whether because I think that, look the absolute ideal for me situation for Liverpool is just for the existing owners to spend more money on players if they just if whatever that if, if now if that's if they haven't got enough money to do that then it, it's a moot point then you know it's just a case of them either finding investments additional investment to sort that out or them fucking off I think that's that's pretty cut and dry on that one but the easiest circumstances for Liverpool is to have continuity of this and then just to get better it's like you've got problems in your relationship in a, in a, in a simple relationship it's a, if it's a girlfriend situation you fuck it off and you go and find someone mm. better in a marriage when there's mortgages and kids and all that kind of involved you're better off working on stuff to make it right than you are to c- cut everything out because of all the shit that goes with it there's no such thing as a smooth ownership transition you know what I mean or maybe there are I don't know um but if we can't find that, we want to see that someone's coming in that's the right people and the right fit, and whether then FSG are genuinely in it for money, whether they are going to hold on for dear life to get as much, to wring as much out of the club as possible, or whether they'll see a fee and go, great, that's what we wanted all along, and they'll fuck off dead easily, etc., etc. What I'm boiling it down to is that this is not a straightforward situation we're in because Liverpool are in... If Liverpool were absolutely fucked in the toilet, this would be a very easy conversation, I think, to have. But they're not. They're okay. And I think we could all see us being better, but equally, with experience, we've seen us go far, far Yeah, that's for this it. Like, well. I mean, it's almost the same as the Moore stuff, isn't it? And, and when he yeah. sold the club to Hicks and Gillette in the first instance, you know, he sold the club, I believe... I believe he believes for the right reasons because he thought he'd taken Liverpool as far as he mm-hmm. could in, a, in an age where the money was getting scandalous and it was too rich for his for his blood almost, yeah. wasn't it? And he was like, right, OK, well, my family's been involved with Liverpool forever. I can't compete at this level. I'll give it to somebody who can. And he did his due diligence and clearly didn't do it very well or yeah. his team of people didn't do it very well and we ended up with Hicks and Gillette. And it's the, kind of the same boat, isn't it, with FSG? They've It looks like they've got a ceiling where they can invest. Yeah. 
I don't think that's enough mm-hmm. for Liverpool, but equally they're not doing a bad job in any way, shape or form. And it's about, that is then, it's a trusting. Yeah. And the problem we've got as football fans more than anything else, first and foremost, is that we can only believe what's told to us mm-hmm. and we can choose to believe it or not. Yeah. We'll never know the truth of an ownership until they get through the door and start spending the money or don't spend money. Yeah. And, the, and, the thing, and the thing of it is, is probably at a billion pounds you're not going to make much profit on Liverpool Football Club. And that might actually help us in the long run because anyone who's willing to spend a billion pounds and not make a lot of money is in it for probably the right reasons. And that might be an easier thing for us. I totally agree on this. So funnily enough, that's a similar conclusion to I've come. I've done a video on this this week and that's the point is that you're not going to get people dicking around for a billion quid. You know, uh, now you could, you know, you could get someone who goes, it's like the people who buy an amazing car and then forget that you've got to pay the insurance and you've got to run it and you've got to maintain it and that kind of stuff. So all these all these idiots who've got a, a half-decent job get 50 grand a year and buy a Ferrari and then go, oh, shit, hang Fuck on a second. Wait, yeah, That's how much, a lot. How much does a new suspension cost on me Ferrari from going over speed bumps in Liverpool City Centre? Um, so, the, you know, we still need to be careful on that, but I totally agree. I think you need Liverpool need owners who don't, don't blink at a billion. They go, I'm not asked about... That I, I see it as an asset. I see it as an asset that I can grow either way, and I just want it. I want. I want Liverpool to be a success. I want to own a massively successful football club, and I think that's where I just wonder with FSG whether they get their kicks, just get all the kicks they need in that regard from the Red Sox. You know what I mean? Like I like they don't. There's no burning desire from there. I think they want Liverpool to be fine. I think Liverpool. I think they want Liverpool to be run sensibly. I think Liverpool. They want Liverpool to be competitive. But I don't think they there is a burning desire for them to be the absolute best. And hopefully, if you get someone who's in who's just mega mega rich, and they, I want someone to look at Man City and go, I want more than what they've got. Yeah. Why? Because I fucking want it. Yeah. And I get what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it. And that's, and that's the kind of situation. I want someone to look at Man United and go, how do Liverpool play? I want Liverpool... If Man United have got an 80,000 capacity stadium, I want my stadium to be 80,001. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what? Not 90,000, because that's it. Liverpool should be the biggest thing on planet Earth. Now, of course, the, the higher you get up this scale, it's like, a, it's like doing a filter search. You know, the, the the number of people are getting smaller and smaller, the sample pool that you can go from. Um, but that's where that's where we're at, you know. Uh, and it, and I think we need to have a we need to have our ownership. I think that that matches our ambitions. And let's just say, it still could be the existing owners, but they would have to. They've got a very short remaining window, I think, to put up or shut up in that regard. Um, because I think you can see, uh, you know, I, I've said this before. I think I think Liverpool can win a league title under these owners with this manager and with doing doing what we're doing. I think it's absolutely possible. I think we could win a European Cup. We could win a major piece of silverware in the next two or three years, going as we're going. But I think once that comes to an end, I don't think we are built to then compete again and again and mm. again and again because I think you need to just have a bottomless pit of funds to continue to throw at the, to throw at the problem. And, yeah, that's a worry, isn't it, really? But look at Chelsea, though. A good example of this. Chelsea are tightening the belt. You know, Abramovich has stopped spending that ludicrous money in the last few years. Now, they went a little bit bigger this a little bit bigger this summer, but they're not throwing... They don't, they don't 
spend like Man City spend anymore because I think Abramovich has gone. <laughs> you know, he had this, he, had, he lost a ton of money, didn't he, in the last yeah. in the last few years, <laughs> and even he's seeing a limit to what what they can do. And you must think with him as well. He's been doing it for ten years. He's won everything he wants to win. How long does he keep that going for? So there's always no to caution, I think. With yeah, you know, but of course there is, mate. It's it's gonna. <laughs> I don't know. We've, I think we've said everything that I wanted to say on it anyway, to be honest. I think anyone who comes in needs to have, as you said, needs to match our ambition as fans. They need a fucking shit ton of money and I don't think we needed a podcast to tell us that. No, absolutely. Um, but we've done it anyway. But we've done it anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, you know, could, could potentially be exciting, but it's definitely something I think it's, this requires us to be on the, on the, you know, on the watchtower again and keeping an eye out for these things and watching how developments unfold because, I, I you know, another, another ownership change is make or break for Liverpool. You know, if they get in, if they get in the right people in the next, I even think, I think in the next, you know, one, two, three, four, five years, I think it'll be fine. I think if you if we don't get if we don't, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we where where we end up. I think we'll be fine. But I think it will unfortunately it lead to that inevitable. Liverpool fans have to change their expectations, and I don't want to change my expectations. Mm. I want us to be competitive every single year. I want us to see us. I want to see us win the league. I want to get back to at least what we were. Um. I don't necessarily mean mean seventies and eighties. Just get back to what we were fucking ten years ago would be a nice would be a nice step in the right direction. But yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how that goes. Um, let us any thoughts on all this. Of course, if you want to if you want to email us in interact at the for some longer form um, longer form questions and, and points and what have you. Um, Steve Hall. What does John Henry's knob taste like, you bad wall FSG apologist? Shame you won't answer this because you'll lose access. Hashtag FSG out. Yeah, okay. Um, that's a wonderful parody tweet from Steve Hall there. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, quick ones. Let's bash you. Craig Roberts. Uh, who would you no, rather see? No, 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 no. I can't fucking, I can't back down from that. I know he's only joking and stuff and I know he doesn't <laughs> listen so he won't even hear my answer. But anyone who's shouting access at us, fuck off, quite frankly. <laughs> And anybody who, be- who truly believes that we would censor our opinions for a game of pro-evolution soccer with someone on a Friday night when I could have been with my family, fuck off. Yeah. You know, we waited around for three hours for that opportunity. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we were back in a community project and I'm getting people going on at me on Twitter about it. Why the fuck would I give up everything in my life? I'm 34 years old, right? Yeah. And I've followed the football club since I was fucking three. Yeah. And you think I'd give it up for a game of Pro Evo with John Flanagan? Yeah. You know what's better than that? Is that the notion that uh, Fenway, John Henry, Tom Werner, who don't even have the time to come over and see the Reds play a game of footy and they probably see Jürgen like a handful of times a year if that that they've somehow got the time <laughs> to come to fucking Liverpool and speak to us and be like do us a favour guys shut up and we'll get you the game of Pro Evo with John Flanagan every six to eight months if John still plays for us if he still <laughs> With the, you know, greatest respect to John Flanagan, he was dead nice. He was uh, lovely. And thank you to at, at Red underscore Neighbours as well, amazing cause. Um, but yeah, no, it, all this stuff does make me laugh. Um, it, in fact, it, it makes me laugh to the point where it, it makes me grind my teeth because what's dead funny, I mean, people will never be privy to the conversations in this inside this office, but how much we twat our heads off the wall yeah. at, the, at the interactions we have with Liverpool Football Club and how little we get back, given how much we... 
love the club and we're how just much... a fucking big advertising tool for them yeah, and they hate I know, us I know and then someone said to me you know I was, a, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago which you mentioned this podcast and he said if, if the club had brought you in whenever you when you originally went to them would it, or, or would it have neutered you I was like yeah absolutely if they would it probably would have fucking neutered us but they haven't and they never will and I would never be interested in them doing that either if they just picked us up on LFC TV none of this would be an issue but they never did so fuck them <laughs> and it always has been that mentality I, you yes. know I've got no love for it I, you know I've We've done it. We do a few bits here and there. Fans, that's what we are. We're fans who love Liverpool. And what happened was, I mean, forget, maybe people forget this, and I don't know how people perceive Red Men. Red Men TV was me and you, friends for a very, very long time, getting together once a week to chat shit about Liverpool and just talk about the stuff that was bothering us around it. And then we've done a few, but we started off with doing like a, a pseudo soccer game style comedy show, which evolved into what Red Men is today. And its core is still us, just. Same what we think about <laughs> baffling. You owe the fans more than that. It was just the show that we like to talk about footy. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad. I mean? I'm glad enough people have got onto it that it's made it popular and all that. And for all those people who still love it and love what we do and love that, thank you very much to all of those people. Those those vast majority silent people. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I I text Paul the other night on the way home, and we'd had a particularly bad day with these fools on the internet just giving us shit. And and anyway, look. To be honest, to be fair to them. We had a we had a decent back and f- I had a decent back and forth with them last week sometime, but it was it was before this and I was like, why is it poor that we've got one hundred and eighty five thousand people that subscribe to us on YouTube and it's the five blokes on Twitter that hate me that I fucking take home at the end of the day? When you do that, I think people forget, and maybe that's where it is, is that people people are dehumanised when you see them on the, the screen or whatever, and maybe people think that we're not normal blokes and we're not normal things we genuinely very much are and we're just fans and we just like to talk about Liverpool and we see, if we see things in a positive light it's because I see things in a positive light all you've got to do is go back I did the same under fucking Hodgson wasn't because I because I would whatever it's just how I am I'm just weird I just I'm just a generally upbeat character um and yeah, it's honestly. I don't. Even, we shouldn't even. We shouldn't even need to address it. It's pathetic. Um, but yeah, I. The idea that we would be in anyone's pocket is like it. Ma- it makes me sad because I would love. You know what? I'd fucking love to be. I'd love to <laughs> have <laughs> loads of fat FSG money in me pockets. I'd have a better car. I'd have a better house. I'd have all this. I probably wouldn't have to come in every day and talk about Liverpool. I'd just relax and kick back and get pay other people to do it for me because they can have all the stress of it. Um, but no, but I'm joking, of course. But the uh, but you know it, it it is what it is. We've we've fought, and scrapped, and you know at times we've we've played nice and at times we've played dirty and at times we've done what we can to get as many things for the red men audience as possible. You know what I mean? And that's the yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's what you were going on about. Well, you got access to pre-season. I was like. I got Paul access and side to pitch side at Tramia through a guy who works for Tramia yeah. Football Club, yeah. not Liverpool. Yeah. I got access to Wigan by applying to Wigan. I don't know, didn't get access to Wigan, apologies. Got access to Hoffenheim by applying to the press accreditation office, the media office at Hoffenheim. Didn't get it through Liverpool. Couldn't get it. For, they, this is the thing, they see the two games that we got access for and ignore the seven that we couldn't. Yeah. And if Liverpool were giving us access, they'd give us access to all of it. Hey, listen, look, this is look, to be fair on all of this, there are, there are departments of Liverpool. I think people see Liverpool and they see FSG as though it's like a one solid unit or whatever. 
it's, there's different elements in different parts. You know, there's again the people in LFC LFC retail get on with us because they do. They're they're a forward thinking branch of the of the club, and you know, they've, and I remember getting a a message off one of the, the heads of retail there saying, "You did. I really liked your review of the kit. In future, if if you get them before release, would you like to do a review of them?" And I said, "I will." But if it's shit, I want to say it's shit. And they said, absolutely no problem. Say what you want to say about it. We'd rather have your honest opinions on things. So when people say you sold out for a fucking football shit, it winds me up because it couldn't be further from the truth. And it's not like we've ever said, answered things are shit. We say things are shit all the time. All the time. So all these things. There's loads of varied situations. There is no catch-all. There is no, we've had no access of Liverpool. Because there are times when Liverpool have been, have, have been good with us. But it's never because we've been told not what to do and what not to do. It's just there are opportunities to get presented because we've built ourselves up through blood, sweat and tears in seven years and a fucking ridiculously hard work and destituting our families and not have, and having fucking leaky roofs in my fucking baby's bedrooms to make this a fucking reality, to build ourselves up to a big platform. And that's what that's what it is. And, you know, that's how the media works. Is you, once you make yourself a big platform, you make yourself... You, you, you can enter into conversations with other people who our big platforms and whatever that's just how it is it's not because we fucking sucked anyone off along the way it's just because we fucking worked damn hard and this is this is who we are and where we are seven years ago we were in a fucking room in a flat that me and my then girlfriend shared with two other people when we started doing this and through fucking grafting our balls off taking the opportunities taking our licks saying thank you along the way but also being ourselves and being honest with stuff we've managed to get to this and you know again we've built an audience up hopefully because people like our approach to things or because people like us and past that I can't say if you've got any if you want to continue with it by all means continue to be wrong yeah that's if you wish to hold incorrect everyone's entitled to opinion but if you've got an incorrect opinion that's totally on you if you choose to hold incorrect opinions you've probably got mental issues is all I'm saying okay that's all I'm saying I've enjoyed this, Chris. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good. Cathartic. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's new thoughts on Liverpool's ownership situation. Again, when, when you know Any it, questions that aren't staying? Oh yeah. We did that. We did what was the other one I asked him? Did we just did we just gloss over did we just gloss over one? Uh, it was Craig, wasn't it? We were gonna ask did we ask Craig? Oh yeah, Craig Roberts. Thanks, Craig, for waiting for your question. Um who would you rather see join the team in January, Cater or Van Dyke? <laughs> Virgil Van Dyke. Cater. Why? Because there would be far too much pressure on Virgil van Dijk to be the greatest centre-half that's ever happened to this football club, and I don't think he's that good. And I'm concerned that he would come in and everyone thinks we're going to be amazing at the back because of him. I would rather see... Just uh, Cater could come in with loads less pressure and be an amazing player, and we could all go. And it's easier to define what a good player looks like. All he'd have to do is run through, a mid, run past a couple of people, and snot one into the top bin, and we're totally fine and relaxed about it all. I think if we're gonna, do, I would. Don't get me wrong. Let's just, you know, let's have both. Let and if we could, if it was only, if it wasn't a choice, and we could get Van Dijk in, absolutely get Van yeah. Dijk in. I think generally. I, I think I. Personally, take Van Dyke not for the immediate benefits of it, but for next season. Yeah. Because I think next season we have to challenge for the title, and I think that the defense certainly needs time to work together. And I think that's one of the things that we're not doing well at the moment is we're not keeping a, a steady back four. And I think it's something you could maybe aim at Liverpool for a number of years now while we've been defending so poorly. I think to build those relationships up, relationships up relationships. between <laughs> centre halves yeah. is massively important. Now you might not see the benefits straight away, and maybe that pressure would get. 
term, but equally, I think as long as your own performances are good, then you can continue to build on those relationships and it'll be a great start in next season. Whereas I think it's probably a little bit easier to come into a midfield than a defence. See, that that argument, I think, but, but, but flipped them around. My worry is that I think a def- that changing the defence and making the defence better is something that could do with working on during a pre season. I wouldn't want to, to just have him look shit. By dropping him in, you know, like because again, it'd just be one of them, isn't it? You know, whereas I think Cater could, it's just boss at footy, isn't he? But yeah, let's know your answers to that one. Um, last question comes from Stephen Lee on the Facebook. Uh, how would Barcelona fare in the Premier League? They probably do pretty all right, you know. I saw they're this, a pretty good club. Somebody did this. I can't remember what YouTube channel simmed this out. On um, footy manager, they put Barca in the Premier League, and they, I think they finished second behind yeah. Man City. I, I, yeah, I think Suarez would still be class. Be, Messi's just class, isn't he? So he'd probably be fine regardless. I think maybe last year's Barcelona probably fare a little bit better just because of you know hey yeah. Neymar, um, but I'm not sure Barcelona now are so. I don't think you know. I don't think they come in as the best would be the best team. No, I think, the listen, there's a load of things that they'd have to get used to. The travel for a start could really hurt them as a football inside. <laughs> you know, to play a competitive team in 38 games a season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it'd be difficult for them. Ultimately, though, and, and, and this is a longer-term view and it's not about the team now, they would do well yeah. because they're a massive club and they would eventually just get there, whether it's now or yeah. in five years' time, they'd win the Premier League. I, I always, I, I'm always astounded by them because, like, Barca, Real Madrid, play, I remember playing Chapman, a footy manager, 2006, 2007, whatever, and looking at Liverpool's squad and being like, how the frick did we play in the Champions League? How did we get to a Champions League final and finish top four with this team? Because my, I'm looking at it with modern eyes and thinking, that squad is not is nowhere near deep enough, there's not enough quality there. Barcelona and Real Madrid, whenever I play them on like Pro Evo, I'm like, where are your substitutes? Who comes into this team? I mean, again, they've got a couple, like, let's use Real, like, you know, they've got Kovacic or whatever to come in, but he's not as good as Modric. He's nowhere near mm. as good as Modric. You look at the front three, they do a little bit of, a little bit of rejigging or whatever, but similar to Barcelona, you take, who, who's, the, who's their second choice playing all of those front three positions? I mean, long proper proper fans of them will probably tell me, and I'd probably be like, "Oh yeah, fair enough." But it's Jared, it's Jared Delafeo, by the way. Um, who shit? Um, you know, this is this. They they don't need to have that good. So you're right. I think they would they would struggle to compete on two fronts, and it would be fucking hilarious. So let's see, let's see that happen. We'll take their spot in La Liga. That would be great. Um, Barcelona men TV. Here we come. Yeah. I can deal with that. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. Thanks very much to everyone who's listening. Uh, as ever, if you are on Is that iTunes, allowed with the FSG contract? <laughs> what? Are we allowed to just change clubs? We're not, um, oh, yeah. We haven't got a contract with FSG. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, of course. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you haven't. Um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> um, yeah. If you're on iTunes, please do leave a five-star review. It does help with the algorithm, helps boost us up and helps more people get onto what we do, which allows us to do more of the stuff that we love to do. Um, if you want to watch the video version of this podcast, you can to see what weird thing Chris is doing right now. Uh, I've got an itchy nose. Um, yeah, you can do it. It's the three-month trial. With that three-month trial, you get the podcast versions of everything that we do. So that's the Reds News Roundup, that's the Final Words, that's the Instant Match Reaction podcast that goes live within an hour after every single Liverpool game, and a whole host of other features. And the stat show. The, the periodic stat show. <laughs> Best show on the on the, on the, on the Redmen TV.com. Um, know it. And... 
the bonus uh, of this month is, of course, the Lucas Labour stuff. There's going to be masses of Lucas stuff. It's all brilliant. Get on it. Try your free month. See how you get on with it. Let us know. And we'll be back with more Red Men Radio next week. Walk on.